Beautiful. All right. Well, so we're not just going to chat, you know, to open? No, I you thought have an intro? for once we would have an... I've been listening to Simply Incredibly, Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, you know, Sith Pod, <laughs> by our friend Schmitty the Clam. And he has like a real intro and everything. It's pre-planned. Now we've ruined it because you're obviously going to include this part as editor. But yes, I, have I am. So planned. Yes, I am. Can so you script? So we'll get the plan and the crisp intro. So Abe, can you yes. introduce the show with our usual tagline? Introduce yourself and then toss to me. This is yeah. going to be so good. <laughs> Welcome to Frame Rate, where we rate frames. I'm Abe Epperson, one of your co-hosts, and I'd love to introduce my other co-host. Introduce yourself. I'm that co-host, Michael Swaim, and you guys, welcome to... <laughs> what did we say? <laughs> no, Maggie Mays. Mag Maggie Mays, Monkey Movie Madness Month here on small beans now this is a special spotlight slash <laughs> partnership with uh you know our show another show on our network i'll show you mine if you show me yours and so we decided to have maggie on and show one another uh monkey movies monkey hi maggie movies. welcome <laughs> oh thank you so much for having me guys yeah the truly the only connection uh these two movies have is that they both prominently feature uh, a monkey of some kind so, so buckle up. Buckle this episode up. <laughs> and next episode this month are Maggie May's Monkey Movie Madness Month. <laughs> They're both coming out in May. May. Monkey May Madness yeah. Month, yeah. Maggie May, Monkey May. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Do we have to do mm -hmm. this again next year? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, okay. uh, until we die. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> great. Well, <laughs> so great. I thought it would also good. be fun to decide this live. We don't know yet. Uh, Maggie, call mm. it. Wh which one should we cover first? You know what? I think if you know if we were to go to a drive-through as three best friends uh, and view these movies uh, as like some sort of double feature, I feel like they would probably show um, they'd probably show Monkey Bone first, right? And then finish Monkey, off. Bone. Monkey, Monkey Bone, Monkey Bone, <laughs> Monkey Bone, Monkey Bone. It is Monkey Bone. Monkey I Bone. Am I have been ready. My I've been preparing my whole life to discuss monkey bones, so I'm ready. No gear shift I, I required. I know. Uh, Maggie, mm. we generally start the conversation off by asking our guest, "Had you seen Monkey Bone before? If so, how many times? What was mm. your experience like this time? Why'd you pick Monkey Bone when we sent you our list of movies you could pick?" Oh boy, such great questions. I I first watched Monkey Bone about. Probably a year, year ago now. Uh, and the first time I watched it, just complete fever dream. Uh, I don't think I remembered any details. Um, I just had like a vague remembering of the plot. Uh, Chris Kattan, I remember his character. Um, uh, yeah, so the first time is pretty trippy. Uh, and it's directed by the guy who directed Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was my, uh, that was my in. Um, but yeah, so this time when I was watching it, I was actually, I was able to appreciate the oddly, like, complicated plot, um, which I didn't really appreciate the first time that I watched it. Uh, yeah, it's just very weird. A lot of different characters, a lot of references to other movies, uh, and it's based off a comic book? Um, like a graphic novel, uh, which I mm -hmm. also wasn't aware Dark of. Town. Yeah, yeah. Sounds exactly like Cool World, which this kind <laughs> of also feels like. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, this time it's still, I think, just like a smorgasbord of like really strange and, and ideas. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to push you a little because I haven't heard you mention a monkey yet. I haven't. Yes. Yeah, so, How, yeah, bring in the monkey right, of it all. <laughs> the titular monkey of Monkey Bone. Um, so the character itself, it's interesting because the character Monkey Bone is not at all funny. Like, it's mostly, you know, he's he's into a bunch of women in the movie. But also, I don't think that we're supposed to like Monkey Bone. So he's the main character, yet also Brendan Fraser's enemy, who's also part of himself because it's his creation he's a looney tune like sex pest like pepe yes. Le Pew. and mm-hmm. it's weird because it's hard to tell which eyes we're supposed are we supposed to view it from the old eyes that we could be privileged to have at a certain time <laughs> of like oh it's just pepe Le Pew. it's just uh speedy gonzalez it's all in good fun he's likable because he's zany or are we supposed to be like this guy's a fucking sex pest he's genuinely annoying is mm-hmm. it the thing or is it a deconstruction of the thing and i think mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. gonna be a recurring theme about monkey mm-hmm. bone uh mm-hmm. i don't mean to orchestrate this whole thing but i feel like it's a great time to talk about the background of the making of the movie do you want to do that abe because it's usually your purview or should i do you know what i'm referring to uh the three picture deal and all that no you go ahead and talk about you talk about that part i can talk about like the go motion and stuff and like the techniques oh please uh... do uh i just thought i think because a king's a king that's usually you take that beat but i just know this beat because my dad really cared just like me (laughs) hey genetics works people uh about weird movies like for some reason i grew up thinking this was an important film Mm. and i know some of the history of the making of and stuff and it's because my dad has among other things such a like respect for stop motion animation and he gave me my love of like originality and weird content and combination art and live action is always fun so the story behind this is Henry Selleck made a three-picture deal, and the uh, story goes that I was taught maybe apocryphal. I didn't check it, but <laughs> it makes the conversation about Monkey Bone really interesting. Um, he got a three-picture deal. Two were very strictly controlled by the studio, and they were James and the Giant Peach and The Nightmare Before Christmas, and the deal was that the third movie, he got to do whatever he wanted, a pet project, and it was Monkey Bone. And... Then Monkey Bone happened and came out and it really hurt his career and it took a long time for him to bounce back. And I think Coraline was probably what people consider his big he's back. Henry Selleck's doing his thing and like we like it again. I personally really like Monkey Bone because mm-hmm. uh, it also is the art itself is based on the art of Mark Ryden, who's one of my favorite surrealists, who has a very unique style. You see one of his mm-hmm. untouched paintings in the nightmare sequence where they're like doing operating on the yam. Um, but I would argue that this movie is just like the perfect example of the studio trying to bring wild artistic craziness in line and like compromise it with what would be what'll play in the sticks and fucking up the movie. Like they monkeyed with the movie and it boned it. And I, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't just trying to get at that pun. I'm also (laughs) trying to say that the movie is about an artist whose greatest fear comes to life 
when his art is commercialized and dumbed down and he finds it not as good anymore. And I know Henry Selleck didn't know his movie was going to get hamstrung by the studios. So it's just like this amazing uh, artifact Mm -hmm. of a movie where I think you can look at the elements and see so much potential. This movie could have been a banger. I still find it enjoyable, but it is definitely compromised in a very studio way. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, that is so perfect because that's also what the movie's about. I'm done. Monkey bomb. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And I totally, I, it it is so funny because that is like the central theme of it. And like, yeah, I, I actually really like it too. And I, at least from, yeah, with my wise into 2020 eyes, it's, it's easy to see monkey bone as kind of like a symbol of, yeah, like, you know, creativity being taken away from the creator and given to, you know, committee, um, then you end up with a uh, with a sexist racist monkey who is uh, takes yeah. over the movie. Yeah, and if I, I may, got a different message from the movie. Here's a quote from Rose McGowan on the topic. He, uh, this movie would have been incredible if the men of 20th Century Fox hadn't fired the director, a true artist, Henry Selleck, halfway through the filming, a profoundly stupid move. The set design, costumes, prosthetic actors are all at master level, at least in the underworld part of the film of which I was a part. What Fox Studios turned this film into because of their fear and lack of artistic thinking was a travesty. Ah! And I think, mm. I think Monkey Bone's one of the great missed opportunities for a truly great movie. Yeah. Abe? Monkey bone. Uh, Thoughts. Monkey bone. <laughs> I thought that the message of the movie is that there's truly a monkey bone in each of us. Oh. Well, and monkey bone represents your horniness that gets you in trouble, right? That's what I yeah. got from it. It must be curtailed, but it unites <laughs> us. I actually think uh, we are all monkey bone, and monkey bone is Brendan uh, Fraser's dick, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's yeah, the yeah. origin story is his erection, right? Yeah, it's very Ren and Stimpy-ish. They show us a monkey bone cartoon, Mm -hmm. which is like, it felt like when Aaron Sorkin tries to write stand-up or a sketch, Mm -hmm. it was like, it's not that good as a cartoon if it Mm -hmm. was a stand-up. You're like, why is this (laughs) famous? Why? It's like Uh, when you see a Simpsons where Itchy and Scratchy wins an Academy Award, and you're like, I guess. Um, Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, Brennan Fraser is unstoppable in this role. Unstoppable. Peak Brennan Fraser. performance is monkey bone Mm -hmm. when he becomes, he becomes monkey bone, like, uh, possessed by him like uh, from like the hip gyrations and the bedroom scene mm-hmm. hopping on the fireplace mantle when he's scared of the uh, of his dog come to mind but generally his deployed like eeks and ooze in reaction to things around him is like for lack of a better con- like it's classically trained like he the man mm-hmm. knows how mm-hmm. to act like a monkey and I know that Maggie's got my back here when we talk about Brendan Fraser, in fact, she's picking perhaps, lice off of it. Monkey Mouse, yeah. greatest, greatest actor ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I and I think this is a movie where he shines. Where you see, like, fuck, we really missed out on some good decades with him, where he should have been mm-hmm. making movies. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his ability to balance like being like a kind leading man, like you really root for him to, you know, be with his girlfriend and like. You know, he he just is able to do that so well. And then also, yeah, like, you know, play a disgusting monkey. And, and the, you know, the binary of Brendan Fraser, it's this is one of the rare movies that's able to capitalize on that, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that range he has of doing both likable leading rom-com guy and George of the Jungle. 
Like the movie has both shades of Brandon. The only thing it doesn't have is action hero Brandon Fraser, which I know Abe wants the most. <laughs> but uh, while we're on cast, Dave Foley, who is like my spirit animal comedian, uh, doing a good job. He's always good. <laughs> um, John Turturro is Monkey Bone. And can we mention that Monkey Bone's voice is fucking John Turturro? <laughs> to Jesus. And you don't notice it because they pitch it up, but it's once you have that unlock, you know, mm-hmm. like that five brain unlock, it becomes a better movie. <laughs> Megan Mullally killing it as always. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then this is the first collaboration between Giancarlo Esposito yes. and Bob Odenkirk. Yes. Which That's true. means yeah. that unless they became best friends and hung out in between, when they met at the Breaking Bad rehearsal, they were like, this is monkey bone. Monkey very bone? different than monkey bone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although they're not on screen with each other. Uh, no, that's I true. I think the, the best bit in the entire movie is, uh, is Bob Odenkirk and his team of surgeons yeah. going to going as far to the ends <laughs> yes. of the earth to get their dead body back yes. is one of the greatest. Like they are so they are so involved. In it. it really feels like that. a smile sketch. Yeah. yeah. Can really I is. some some lines from that scene? Those are our organs. Get back on that slab. Someone stop that dead man. We're doctors. We don't want to hurt you. We just want your organs. Stop running. No. Then you'll be sued. Uh, <laughs> Damn yeah. you, dead man. Damn you. It's so good. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg is in this as death death itself thomas hayden church thomas hayden church why is this movie not super famous it's crazy and he also is hilarious in this by the way it's like a perfect like deploying of thomas hayden church because he's like such a like lovable dummy uh Mm -hmm. like i think it's like there's even aspects of like when his character, uh, critically acclaimed character in Sideways, like there's a little like he's he's honing his chops in this movie because he's just is kind of pathetic and it's kind of cute in a way. Uh, yeah. Who else we got? Uh, oh yeah, we can't forget uh, Bridget Fonda. Bridget Fonda, uh, who plays Steve's love interest, Doctor Julie McElroy. Uh, Chris yeah, Kattan. and can- oh. I wanted to ask Maggie, Mm because I was thinking of doing this to Jen. (laughs) She's not a doctor, but I don't care. Isn't calling your girlfriend Doc cute as shit? Is that like super endearing or am I wrong? No, I think it's great. Uh, (laughs) And it brings up like Bugs Bunny vibes. I think Mm -hmm. I'm going to call Jen Doc and see if she Mm. just goes, wait, what the fuck did you call me? It's gender neutral, so, you know, anyone out there with gender Mm -hmm. neutral partners, uh, call them Doc. Mm -hmm. See how they respond. Mm-hmm. 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 Let's see. All right, we need a jump start. I mean, I got tons of notes, but I don't know where to go next. That's a uh, natural where, segue. Where do we go uh, with this man. To quote the this movie, I, uh, oh, if later got here sooner, about. it would be a lot better. Uh, the So Monkey Bone was a failure at the box office. Yeah. It had a budget of $75 million, which is quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, in this day and age uh, in 2001. And it grossed about uh, over five million domestically, seven to eight million worldwide. Huge flop. Uh, It doesn't have a cult following like many uh, that 
will argue that, you know, came back and movies of this, like, I guess, caliber that often are found. Like, for example, this is made by Orion uh, Studios as well, I think. Uh, oh, wait, no, this isn't Orion. That's the other one. But like we thought we talked about UHF last time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 20th Century Fox. Yeah, 20th Century Fox. We talked about uh, UHF, which UHF also bombed, um, but it also, at you know, at the time became like immediately when it went to you know DVD and VHS, uh, it started to garner more of a cult following. Mm-hmm. That's not so true about Monkey Bone. Uh, so that's one thing, and most of the critics that panned it. Uh, we're just talking about how they didn't understand uh, the shape of the movie. It's like it it just seems to be going for the jokes. Uh, everything is meandering. It does what it wants, which is, you know, these are things that we usually will say about originality that we like. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting mm-hmm. to me when I look at, you know, uh, another film like you mentioned Cool World. We uh, we should <laughs> talk about Beetlejuice. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit also because of the mixed uh, media. Um, these are all films that were either immediately known as like, oh, this is good mm-hmm. um, or kind of developed a cult following. I think it's interesting that Monkey Bone hasn't kind of had a day where, you know, right. like on Twitter, everyone goes like, you guys remember Monkey Bone? No, people um, like it, but very, very small. Pool. It's like There's a few small so small that I wouldn't call us. it cold. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. speaking of reviews and casts, the person we forgot, the Amazon reviews page would be very mad with us because I checked out the Amazon reviews on this because I saw Abe tweet that they were hilarious. <laughs> and the only thing people liked, it seemed, was Chris Catan, who does hey! prove just like yeah. he did on SNL, that whether, like, you can argue whether Mango is a brilliantly written sketch or idea for character or whatever, Chris Catan was never a writer as much as he just was like, give me the part, I'll do the thing funny. He's a master at it. Like, his mm-hmm. physical, between Mango and this, and, like, he's Him so, yeah. he's yeah. like Jim Carrey-level physical comedian. He's yeah. so good. Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah. I think it's more of a statement about where comedy was at at the time. Um, You know, where it's like, that was familiar, I guess, you know? Yeah, but people uh, are on Amazon like, Chris Kattan was good, though. <laughs> yeah. Chris Kattan was uh, good. Although, I also found the meanest trivia I've ever found, which was Goof's <laughs> character error. Chris Kattan is in very poor shape for a gymnast. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the official IMDb trivia page. Why? Jesus. Kind of mean. Joke. Yeah. The, little kind of the man broke his neck doing <laughs> oh, a yeah. sketch for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, especially with, like, with the physical humor of Chris Kattan, like knowing what he went through on SNL, and then just seeing him give this performance, it's very there's a very like dark layer underneath it. Oh, oh the yeah. yes, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Is there's no question to me that this was actually Henry Selleck's, and you can see it if you squint and like connect the dots. Statement on art and its mm-hmm. relationship to commercialism that he was living through, and there's so many cool references to that, like Chris Kattan being willing to come back in his first role since he broke his neck and play a corpse with a broken neck Mm -hmm. that's like dark dude and uh get this there was an alternate ending the henry selick's original ending uh was like brazil it ends with Stu failing doc falling in love with monkey bone monkey bone taking over the cartooning world and like running monkey bone cartoon network the end 
which is like you can see clearly where his head was at and then the movie was like cut this with 50 percent love conquers all print you know yep yep. yeah that's yeah that's the way that is the way it's the way of the um, monkey bone. <laughs> the way of the monkey bone. You've been monkey bone. If you have a creative project that's been, you know, torpedoed by other people's opinions, you've been monkey boned. Mm-hmm. That's true. We should get that to catch on. But yeah. as we mentioned, very few people remember <laughs> yes. the movie. Uh, and yeah, he literally gets killed by a giant plush doll of the thing he created. Mm-hmm. It's just so perfect to me. <laughs> it's a, that's perfection to my. And Abe, you mentioned <laughs> well. You mentioned Burton. He did the same thing, and then Dumbo. He did. He has a cameo in that where he's in the background shoveling shit, and it's like, get it? Disney makes me shovel shit, and it's like, mm-hmm. then don't make the movie. I find that that move less defensible. <laughs> Right. That is true. That's yeah. Little... At least with this, I feel you know Selleck was you know trying to say something with the. You know his artistic predicament. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's a little different to be like, I all right, we'll let you have one, but you have to make these two, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all biting the hand that feeds. Uh, so there's always going to be a little bit of, I guess, controversy that <clears throat> comes along with, you know, like, you know, going after your masters, rewatching Futurama for no reason at all recently. And <laughs> they love to dunk on their previous masters and, you know, like the whatever network that they're on at the time, uh, you know, <laughs> and they're, they're, it's fun. It's also like, you know, you're you're kind of showing your ass there a little bit. I... Like, it's not like we're going to be like, oh, see, they're really hardcore because they don't give a fuck. Well, of course they give a fuck. You know, right? Mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox signed off on all of this. See, I think that's the trick that Simpsons pulled, because capitalism is the one school of thought that can subsume all criticisms into itself. With so, like, right? Yeah. The, the like Simpsons went from seeming edgy because they were bagging on Fox to having Rupert Murdoch come on and make jokes as a guest voice, and you're like, right. well, now you're actually providing a service to the masters because you're making, you're allowing them to seem like, oh, I'm grounded. I have a sense of humor i poke right. fun at myself yeah which is actually bullshit <laughs> like right i mean that's i don't like know the... that like simpsons is not real edgy you know it's it's subsumed edgy <laughs> yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's yeah it's it's mainstream man like what it like if you really if you really were gonna have a statement it would be a lot more real and less forgiving uh they're not gonna go there because they still gotta you know what are we going to do? Not be a part of the capitalist system we'd had no uh, right, you yeah. know, social contract and that we signed And the thing I will say on the other side of the coin is like, dude, you got to craft like the visuals of Nightmare Before Christmas. That's not, that's a dream job. Or if mm-hmm. you're into making models yeah. and animating shit, if that's Absolutely. your bag, like that movie rules. Yeah. No knock against Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> I, this is not... This is not trying to be a manifesto in my mind or what I'm saying is not trying to say like, well, then, you know, like, because there's someone in the audience who's probably going like, so you just don't want Nightmare? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're just shitting all over the giant There's many gifts that this broken system gives us, you know, like we have roads. There's many things that I love about society and capitalism, too, you know, but like at the same time, if you're going to make that statement, let's not act like it's like 
for real. That's not. Let's not <laughs> act like you're keeping the keeping it real. Although you, but it should be looked at exactly as it should be, which is, uh, you know, like. It's just commentary. It's just saying, like, this is true. Right. But your point but that Henry Selleck is not actually an outsider, rogue, rebel no. indie right. filmmaker is well mm-hmm. taken. He's not. Mm-hmm. He was just and getting his little jab And he's lived on in. that image his entire life, right. more or less. And that's cool. You know, that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I actually think if it yeah. was more biting, that might have helped it have, like, some sort of resurgence. But I think, yeah, because at the end of the day... Monkey Bone is such a huge part of it, and he's so unfunny that, like, having you know, like a, a renewed love for this movie, it's it's a lot harder to do than if it was, you know, I think, a lot more of that. Yeah, that's I thought true. it was interesting that both you guys were like, I don't know, are we supposed to like Monkey Bone or not? Monkey Bone is clearly the villain to me. I mean, that yeah, doesn't mean you can't I think like so. Especially yeah. knowing that it was going to end with Monkey Bone taking over the world, and that's the tragic ending. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like, he's the bad guy. <laughs> I don't think it's a dissection of like what like the the protagonist antagonist relationship because they start off with a very tried and true formula of like the betrayer like he seems on our side right. until like the midpoint and then it completely switches and that's like very run of the mill in my opinion it's like you know yago figure or something like that um but you don't even get to see his side so it just be is a reveal so it's less occupied with the thought of like well you know, he's more of an anti-hero or something like that. We never see a side where we like understand why like he's doing it other than he's just another cog in the system Mm -hmm. trying to get this. And like the, the, so hell has this big plan as is, uh, you know, um, hypnos and, uh, is trying to get around death. Uh, cause that's the hierarchical structure of, uh, hell, uh, hypnos, the God of sleep is trying, realizes that, uh, you know, Bridget Fonda has developed a drug that, uh, is just like nightmare juice. It's just like, it can, it's the scarecrow's gas from Batman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he wants to make sure that this gas gets out uh, and is applied to like as many humans as possible because they thrive on uh, uh, nightmares in particular. That's what they like at his particular nightclub, I guess. Um, like, I don't know if they're getting off on it or if it's some force, some form of life force, but they want it. And Monkey Bone is just kind of the vessel of like, yeah, he had the idea with Hypnos to like go into the real world and hijack a body in order to hatch this plan. And it seems very slapstick. No one knows what the plan is. Monkey Bone ki- almost succeeds and then the movie ends, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's I don't think there's any kind of inspection into like ego or id or those things battling each other like i don't think there's a hidden layer of monkey bone. <laughs> yes but i literally think it's monkey bone is about uh you know curtailing your like i guess sinful desires in the neoclassical sense to win love mm-hmm. the to true win love. love which is yeah. pristine right that's so facile <laughs> yeah exactly and i think the original ending is slightly better but not that not that deeper I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or the ending that like Selick had in mind. Well, not where... that much deeper, but it turns it into a dark fable instead of a regular fable, which is just one shade more interesting than me- to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're succeeding yeah. in like, I was really excited about the movie and you're succeeding in dialing me down <laughs> if that was your goal. But, uh, <laughs> but I think we should shift gears and talk about, because really 
if it regardless of how simple it is or was intended to be or ended up being uh it's really an excuse to also showcase virtuosic like actual uh artistic ability and the Incredible. craftsmanship right. of departments that don't usually get to shine on a film set mm. as much mm-hmm. so yeah. uh, i want to like is it can we talk a little about like favorite way stuff looks because we haven't even yes. talked about oh, absolutely we the haven't animation talked about and shit. Yeah. cat girl miss kitty hello mm-hmm. Ugh. My that was f- awesome when yeah are you going to talk about the alleyway scene <laughs> no no go ahead i don't want to well, i was just like theory. when they just throw in there at the end like of our arc the last time we see um rose mcgowan mm-hmm. she is feasting on like one of the mouse guards mm-hmm. and she looks horrifying like the blood coming down her like her face and her eyes have like the cat like glint catching the light the light kind of thing as she's looking on monkey bone and you're supposed to believe this is like oh yeah you like she we got friends in hell that are gonna help stew but it's this horrifying <laughs> image it's kind of perfect uh kind of with the you know as you mentioned before a lot there's a lot of influence with mark ryden in this where it's this kind of surrealist uh nightmare who by the way abe i don't know if you ever knew this but i looked it up just I, there was a point where I was in a Mark Ryden to a freaky degree. But did you know you lived like six blocks from him in Eagle Rock? <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you just made me realize, which I hadn't thought of it this way before, that Henry Selleck does seem to shape his artistic vision around people he finds. Like... Tim Burton in the case of Nightmare, mm-hmm. Roald Dahl's actual illustrations in the case of James, Mark Ryden mm-hmm. for this, and then uh, Coraline is the uh, I forget uh, Dave McKean I forget whoever draws Sandman, um, or, or like you know there's particular mm-hmm. he seems to embody different artists and try and like give his movie that vibe visually, right. and uh, maybe that's why I love this one so much because. Mark Ryden is just friggin' dope. Like my favorite is yeah. the bull. I don't know how they did that bull head. I feel like CG must have been involved, but I believe when, that's Doug Jones, right? Doug Jones oh, plays no. the Yeti. And they hard yeah. cut to him and he goes, Oh, by the way, I'm bull. It's like a good editing <laughs> joke combined with an amazing effect. You so rarely see. I love that the city is like a hand unfolding mm-hmm. made of rail railroad tracks. It's as any Selleck, it's highly imaginative. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's so good at that. Um, and he's good at finding excuse. Like, he doesn't... He goes, there's this hell world, and there's going to be dream sequences and nightmare sequences, mm-hmm. like the undulating uh, golf course. Oh, right. There are just... Yeah. There's, like, frames from this that I'll never forget, sinking into the bed for the coma sequence. Mm-hmm. Oh, the sinking in the bed is fantastic. Yeah. And it I'm comes, still trying to figure out how they did it. I know how they did it, but like, it's such a plan. How did they do it? <laughs> but how did they really did they do, do it? it? But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, they must have had like a set wide sheet. Yeah, like, they must mm-hmm. have that sheet yeah, so they big. Had, like uh, just an enormous sheet. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> and that impresses me. <laughs> that impresses me. It just like that. That's hard to work with. I don't know yeah. if you've ever worked with any special effects whatsoever. They 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 break down. They often do the thing opposite of what you want to do, mm-hmm. yeah. and it just seems like they really have it down to a fine system. The animation itself is, uh, I think, some of the best stop motion animation 
of this era, hands down. Yeah, yeah. although you can, there's some matting problems where uh, Monkey Bone looks washed out compared to the environment around him. You notice that? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's that's kind of a common problem with uh, a lot of Go Motion, like compositing. Do you guys know the difference between just like you know stop motion and Go Motion? No, yeah. I no. don't. Okay, so Go Motion is more of like if you're interested, Go Motion is kind of just like a a technique that you use for stop motion animation. So stop motion animation, the idea is that you have a like a photo camera and every frame you just take a shot. You know, you just and so you adjust and move that in real space. I think that's not a foreign concept to a lot of people. So the only difference between go motion and stop motion is that they realize that when you do stop motion, everything's very clear because every shot is in focus and Mm. there's no motion blur. Um, And that's just not how things look like in real exposures on, you know, 24 frames a second or whatnot. So, De, like kind of developed by Phil Tippett, my man from Industrial Light Magic. You probably acknowledge that name uh, from the meme. Uh, he's the di- dinosaur supervisor on uh, Jurassic Park, uh, uh. but he's also like a he's a godfather of animation. Like he's just so so talented, and he invented this like really simple technique when someone says go motion really what they mean is that he was trying to find a way that some of the shots when you know your subject is in motion how can we manufacture motion blur mm-hmm. and then the way that they figured that out is that there's a few techniques but the like the big one being just like just like kind of hit hit the hit the doll <laughs> you just kind of oh. like flick it and then take a photo of it kind of in motion and like make sure that like in the camera uh it kind of is blurred um and or they would put uh jelly or petroleum or vaseline uh on parts of the background to show like the camera moving and stuff like that so it's more of a just like a very focused and uh you know technique extra try hard version yes <laughs> yeah and uh yeah and so it's why stop motion when you watch it in its earlier days you get like uh i forget the name of the the, the movie but like the one with the dinosaurs well like you uh, everything's always in focus look, every layer is in focus yeah. Yeah. right and this one is just a lot of motion blur a lot of like it does a lot of like think about how animated and quick uh monkey bone is he looks fluid, and then you realize yeah. that every Every photo of Monkey Bone in the movie, tens of thousands of photos, had to be like perfected. Mm-hmm. And um, and one of the things that went in their brain is, well, he's always in motion and he shouldn't be perfectly still when we take the photo. Um, and so they had to simulate it. And that's just a lot of work. So when I say like this is this stands out as like one of the best stop motion because Yeah, there's some stop motion that is more perfect when we look back at it, but this is a main character. Uh, This is uh, not animated like, you know, uh, in the way that uh, Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit was where they could control motion blur by just easily blurring it. It's before the days of Photoshop, really on this level. So it's not like you can just add motion blur onto your images that you already got that were, you know, crystal clear. They're manufacturing all of this, you know, the shutter of the lens beat by beat. Mm. And that means that's, that's, that's such an insurmountable task and they did it. They fucking did it. So, So I just wanted to point that out. I think that's awesome. 
Imagine the feeling of trying that hard and this is the reception of the movie gets. Oh, man. It's like somehow worse than just filming human bodies moving around. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yep. Although oh. I, I'll shout out, I just can't stop thinking about, I feel like the time for this idea is ripe to come back like as an Amazon original streaming action series, like like Jack Ryan vibes, but... So Abe and I put together a pitch for this <laughs> show where basically the government and a secret program is able to bring Looney Tunes into the real world and conscripts them right. to like kill terrorists overseas mm. because they can't be killed by anything because of right. cartoon and physics. Right, and that's what the government would do if they, you know, and we could. We yeah, we love superheroes. We love. I just want to see like Bugs Bunny, Jack Ryan mashup streaming series. <laughs> Jack That's Ryan. one of the takeaways yeah. I have from yeah, Monkey Bugs Mom. Bunny, CIA analyst. <laughs> well, it is interesting. No, no, think... he's in the field killing people. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> With carrot guns. Uh, I wonder, like, because of how much creativity is, like, jam-packed into this movie, like, at least for, you know, does it does it redeem the movie? Like, does it does it need to be a great film because it is so, like, visually interesting like i guess that's my that's my artistic question you know i don't think that's a question that needs to i mean like i great question i don't think it's a question that needs to be asked as much as like personally mm-hmm. like i don't think that that culturally has relevance right i think if you enjoy the movie enjoy the movie i think that's the one thing that people get wrong about movies all the time is that it's got to be something it's got to mean something uh like culturally no mm-hmm. just enjoy the fucking movie if that's what you're really into if special effects are your bag and that's all you care about you don't care about story that's the beauty of movies right that's my opinion but I, I do appreciate a movie like Monkey Bone where departments are raised to the spotlight right. that are usually just mm-hmm. like part of building a fabric of transparency. This time they're Absolutely. like, no, 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 no. Look at the makeup. Mm-hmm. The makeup is like half <laughs> of the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love that dialogue so much, though, because it's just like. I don't know, like filmmakers think about things in in terms of tools all the time. You know, like my old film professor would say, like when you're making a film, you're walking into a house like an architect. You have to see all the floorboards. You have to see all the, you know, like you have to see all the where the studs are, you know, like um, and 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 uh, and I think that that's true. I think as viewers, we're kind of that, too. But you, the, the system, the criterion that you're using is just whatever your interest is. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't I yeah, I don't know. I think it's fascinating because it says so much about whomever you're talking to and whatever their opinion is mm-hmm. about what they're intrigued by, what how they how they developed, what like what they find is like the crux of imagination like what when they were a kid and they were like watching a movie and they were like this is my jam right for the first time it's like what is that because that thing is the thing that you never let go of i don't know I, it's like this is a very uh emotional kind of conversation for me because i love movies so much but like you're absolutely right to like ask that question i don't think that this kind of movie that is so craftsman based and not as story based like that's not what oh the story of monkey bone that's what a tale uh (laughs) no one really talks like that but i think that that like we don't give enough credit to the craftsman 
you know, like we Academy Awards never think about it. The, you know, like they, they do. They give an, uh, an award to, you know, all the departments. I'm not saying that. It's just that it's like it's seen as one of the lesser right, things. Right. But there's people who are like, I don't care about the faces as much. I care about the camera. I care about the, you know, the sound. Design I also think. I'm coming back around. I think you're underrepresenting the goodness of the story. Now you've gone too far, sir. (laughs) Like, I don't know. There's just stuff like, uh, there's stuff that really works on the story level to me. The, the, uh, the coma shot we were talking about that we love so much comes at exactly the 10 minute mark to the frame, which is just a cool little thing. Cause it's when you go from the normal world to the crazy world, which is the definition of like the hero's journey standardly. Um, but even more than that, the something we haven't touched on the idea that Brendan Fraser created monkey bone by drawing with his left hand oh, and yeah. he's right handed yeah. and with his right hand, he draws like Mark Ryden. And I actually think that's a pretty subtly brilliant metaphor for tying the whole film together. The idea that the, that you're doing a movie that is about, that is going to feature composite live action and animation. And it's about the clash between art and process. And it features a character who lives in a different, like becomes a completely different person depending on like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing kind of thing. I just think there's more dots there to connect than we give monkey bone credit for having because it doesn't connect them, but the dots are there. Uh, Maggie, you got any thoughts? <laughs> I, I mean, thoughts on dots. Thoughts on dots. I I agree. To, well, in a way, this movie reminds me of um, the conversation that surrounds uh, Speed Racer. You know, the um, the Wachowski sister movie. Ah, man. Yeah. But but in a similar way, in that they created the film um, as a way to kind of go against the studio who wanted them, you know, just to make like a, you know, a speed racer movie. Um, and they purposely made it like, di- you know, disconnected, very, they were inspired by Dadaism. So it's very oh. like a disconnected visual film that also tanked. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I love when, uh, you know, artists make those big swings and I guess I would say this is a big swing for, uh, for Selleck personally. And I think he took it as a big swing, big swing after doing, you know, the two studio films. So, yeah. Uh, but, but in the same the way that... the story has more, like... It, do you think that that... Because I agree. I think we all agree mm-hmm. with what you just said. I love but that I when you were know. talking about the car movie, you mentioned tanks. And when you were talking about the monkey movie, you mentioned swinging. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. Mm. But I want to know, like... Uh, like, what do you think about the story? Do you think it's like a, a valuable story? Do you think it's like a intri- Does it have dots that connect in the way that Swaim's, you know, I offering? I do, and I do. I mean, there are like there are things like having your having hypnos and like death be like huge characters in your movie is like mm-hmm. I uh, I don't really know what that does specifically for plot, other than like you know, let's have an excuse to make them look really cool which is you know valid in itself but hell kind of looks like uh the central bureaucracy from futurama i noticed this time Mm. but yeah Mm -hmm. it there's a bunch of extraneous shit i won't disagree with that or push back against that right right (laughs) i mean i'm i 
I, I like it every time I watch it. I never watch it and I'm like, oh man, I wasted my time. Like, and that includes the story itself. Um, Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that central idea of a creator and they're created, you know, the the Frankenstein and the Frankenstein's monster, like, that's also so classic that I think, like, this movie is kind of just another version of that for good and for ill. Because it feels like a, you know, like a story mm. that at the end of the day, you know, makes sense. And, you know, I guess. You're right, Maggie. Yeah. Monkey Bone is a modern Prometheus tale. <laughs> You. Of the Thank highest you. sophistication. Of the highest degree. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because it's like that, but then yeah, like yeah, yeah. So is uh, look, dude, so- you just covered the mask, okay? Monkey bones yeah. better than the mask. I, I discussed the color theory in the mask, <laughs> sir. Uh, so monkey bone is PG thirteen, uh, and I think that that's where it, it should be. But uh, this. This movie also had a like not a controversy, but a mini like discussion when it came out about um, the guidelines and how we structure, you know, the, the MPA does the rating system uh, because, you know, Henry Selleck uh, was like, I have a nine year old boy. I would bring him to Monkey Bone. I have no problem with it. And so it, it kind of opened up the the gates of subjectivity for like how much should parent control uh, what their children see and at what age. Mm. Um, and so, cause that's like kind of unheard of. You're not supposed to talk shit on the MPAA uh, because they like, that's just not typically done uh, by studio directors. If you're in a studio directing, you know, uh, faculty kind of situation. Cause they can so, cut your box office with a letter. Because then the, yeah. they'll remember <laughs> the MPAA yeah. remembers, uh, but it's like, um, a lot of people were like, okay. And they pointed out at very specific things that I was like watching this in, cause I hadn't seen it for like since probably college or whatnot. And I wasn't really thinking about this, but this time I noticed there was like, there's a scene when he arrives in hell, uh, when he arrives at, it's this little, uh, they have a little placard that says emotional baggage. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a bunch of like, I don't know, just small creatures that are around him. And one of them starts humping his leg. Right. Mm hmm. And roadkill uh, humps his leg. Yeah. Roadkill. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, why would you know that name? But, <laughs> no, it's not his name. I'm saying it's like a possum with a tire it's track. A possum. Through oh, yeah. It. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I'm sure that Henry Selick is arguing that like he's drooling or something like that, but it's pretty clearly this little roadkill is flinging cum. Like it's it just watch it. It's like, and he mm. like kicks him off. Like he he kicks him off to oblivion, uh, Brendan Fraser. And I uh, I agree that a nine year old has probably seen a dog hump a leg before, and it's not going to traumatize. But them. like coming though, but like I'm coming, not- Michael. You're such a fucking nerd. Do you hear yourself? <laughs> you know what? Yes, Abe, coming. The kids need to see it. So they like, need I to know. I'm not, I'm not here to I'm not here to police anybody. I'm not here to tipper gore this shit. I don't want to be like. I just don't know. Like, I want to know what your guys' uh, thoughts are. On, it like, feels dirty. It feels pretty raunchy. Yeah, there's parts of this movie that feel gross, you know, gross. Especially, I mean, you know, <laughs> being a, a woman watching it, it's pretty like, blah. Well, unwanted <laughs> kissing and <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in that regard, like, almost part of me wishes that it was almost like, more in that direction if that makes sense like i felt like you think it should be a hard art yeah or yeah or i I felt like they should have felt the freedom to go that way like 
it felt like they kind of wanted that. But then, you know, suddenly we're like, what about the kids? And it's like, well, <laughs> uh, you know, how, how much do we care pretty, about the kids? Well, it was marketed to kids. That's right. the thing. That's a big mistake. Yeah. yeah that's think, weird. Yeah. I think this is the one of those blind spots that corporate, you know, like just the strategies of like 20th Century Fox mm-hmm. at, at all. They kind of say like, yeah, we want a raunchy kind of thing. It should be like cool for teenagers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, they're like, but let's not make it an R. All right. I know if you're a longtime fan, you may have heard this story because I've told it once before on Mike, but I'm going to tell it again because I'm sure most people haven't. But I got to tell the Dick Machine story, which I'm sure Abe remembers. <laughs> At Cracked, there, we got to work with Pepsi. Got to. We got worked to. with oh Pepsi for money and uh, <laughs> so that our bosses could have their money. And uh, they said... <laughs> Hey, pitch a bunch of sketches, and we picked, pitched five sketches, and they ranged from very kid-friendly to a sketch that was called Dick Machine, and they picked the sketch Dick Machine, the premise wow. being yeah. me and Daniel O'Brien have a, uh, you know, like a kid's lemonade stand on the street, but we're in lab coats, and it says Dick Machine, and I, I don't even remember the premise, but... <laughs> But, like, the that's was. the one they picked and we wrote a script and we turned it in and they're like this is filth we can't associate the pepsi brand with a dick machine and we're like we know what is going on over here pepsi. Yeah. like why did you pick Who's it driving I don't pepsi? Yeah. there is a lot of disconnect because these corporations are huge and i think packaging is a real thing to talk about like case mm-hmm. in point another thing we can be thankful to monkey bone for uh cart <laughs> the cartoon network executives credit monkey bone with their decision to start the adult swim block of programming so i'm like yeah fucking win for monkey bone because yeah, they cool. they aired monkey bone and so many parents wrote in and were like my kid watched monkey bone on your channel and i hate you now and they yeah. were like we and they started talking about needing a legitimate place to show adults animated style content. Uh, so yeah, monkey bone gave us adult swim as well. That's awesome. See, I love how this, my other favorite thing about this is how this, this conversation was had 20 years ago. Uh, and it's still, you know, like as we're entering the 20th anniversary of monkey bone, uh, (laughs) of course, the national God holiday. God bless. Yeah. Well, actually, we've passed it because it came out in February. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, as as we twenty years later, you mentioned uh, Amazon user reviews earlier. That was by design. Uh, I I love to read Amazon user reviews for almost every movie mm. that I watch because I find it fascinating. The more, the better. Like when they have like 600 of them, I won't read all of them, but I will just randomize and read. And there's some beautiful ones in this one because this, that's what occupies most of the review section is this conversation. A lot of people talking about if kids should be allowed. And I thought that as we go, like as society ages, uh, these lines become a little more blurred and usually err on the side of like, ah, kids can, it's fine. You know, um, we're becoming less draconian, so to speak, um, about this kind of stuff. Uh, but people are still having this issue. One of the ones that, uh, one of the ones that I really love is that someone was really, really had their, uh, were up in arms because they were like, the 
idea of a kid getting an erection over his teacher's arm fat is too inappropriate to mention. Mm. <laughs> they said mentioning it, like describing yeah. it exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my God, I'm oh, glad God. they weren't my parent is all I can say. Uh, another one, though, I love is kind of what you mentioned, just because I think we should have an Amazon user reviews in all of our shows now. Uh, it's titled, This Tickled My Funny Monkey Bone. Sorry, I screwed that up. <laughs> But I just love that title. This is a great movie with a, all caps, dark overtone. <laughs> it was very much like Beetlejuice in terms of its daring plot. I love the scenes where the one corpse is throwing body parts. <laughs> I just love, like, so this is a very polarizing movie. Uh, I don't think that there's an answer, but I think we can all enjoy uh, a monkey bone at our age. That's for sure. <laughs> all right. Wow. Calm down. <laughs> what does he say about his own? It's like putting a hat on the Washington Monument. Pretty, pretty fully yourself description of your own dick as a child. Right. It's like calling a, your shot. In a lot of <laughs> right. Right. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up, I wanted to... And I, uh, yeah, I don't usually do this. That's self-explanatory. So is this. Why are you still going on? Um, I wanted to recommend three things. Yeah, three things. Because I feel art like Monkey Bone is right up my alley. There's so little art like it. It's so precious. Mm -hmm. And I mean weird, dark stuff. So stuff that's weird and dark and makes me feel uncomfortable. I got to recommend to the other freaks out there. Uh, the point-and-click adventure game nine the last resort really obscure mm. game probably all you can do now is watch a playthrough on youtube i doubt you could find a copy maybe on ebay but i doubt you have a computer that would run it but uh <laughs> it's a video game based on the artwork of mark ryden and it stars robert de niro jim belushi and aerosmith it's very weird uh there's a movie that i'm dying to show abe someday that's uh, animated entirely with tissue paper cut out and it's called twice upon a time it is also about evil creatures who feed on nightmares and it stars the guy who's the voice of garfield from the animated series so oh, yeah. he does the exact same voice so it's as if garfield is doing it uh and then last but not least there's a web comic y'all can check out right now called rice boy that monkey bone reminds me of that's beautiful Rice boy is very good yeah big fan of rice boy that's all i got yeah maggie any thoughts about me uh about monkey Bone? if you could tie it to monkey, monkey stuff Man. that would be the oh, best yeah. Tie it to monkey stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah let's see uh it was a uh it was a banana of a time <laughs> um, <laughs> all uh, right let's split <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm just, i'll just echo that yeah i i feel myself appreciating any movie that is it feels like a one of a kind um like we said earlier for better or for worse it didn't make any money and there isn't a revival of monkey bone love um mm. but it is so odd and there are so many moments of it like you know the um the odin kirk stuff is so just genuinely some of the funniest stuff um yeah it's those are my, those are my closing thoughts. I'll I'll always appreciate a movie that feels unique, even it, with its bag of flaws. Let's let's get a monkey bone going. Let's see if we can be the 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 spark to ignite the revolution. You know, get this cult status going on monkey bone. 
get the monkey ball rolling. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I want monkey bone in the I want monkey bone in the top ten on Netflix next week. Or after this yeah. drops at least. For God's sake, it's Maggie May Monkey For Movie God's Month sake. Madness. <laughs> For God's sake. For God's sake. Uh Maggie, mm. uh do you, let's let's do a little plug. Let's plug Great. what you're working on. Great. Well, you know, if you're if you're listening to this to this lovely podcast, uh, you can also listen to Adam and my's podcast. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Um, which uh, is a podcast where Adam and I show each other, you know, uh, movies that fit a certain criteria. So uh, it's fun. We're genuinely good friends. Um, <laughs> you should listen to it. Uh, and then, yeah, you can also find me on Very Twitter uh, and on YouTube where I have uh, film analysis videos just at my name. Yeah. yeah. That Walter Merch one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We just put yeah, out a video the with, uh, with Walter Merch. Um, and then also I have a full interview with um, Walter Merch that we're putting out um, sometime also during this month of May. So can't well it truly is maggie's may it's maggie's uh, may Ooh, ah, ah. that <laughs> that is fantastic <laughs> you do amazing stuff uh i love film criticism so i'm always first to to view those Ooh. i find uh yeah those fantastic reviewer and analysis um what should should we tell people what our next because we're in a uh, circumstance that we're not we're rarely in in frame rate which is that we know what the next movie is uh should we announce it so that people have some time to watch it to maybe sure watch they it, rarely get to watch ahead um yeah. i would say i've asked this in various forums several times on patreon and twitter and i think the bulk of people don't need to watch ahead uh, but right. there are some people who are like, man, I wish I knew ahead of time so I could watch it to prep. So what are we watching next time, Maggie? We are watching the other evil monkey movie, Monkey Shines. 1988's Monkey Shines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> see you then. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you then. Thanks, everybody, for listening <laughs> to Monkey Bone. Have a monkey day. <laughs> This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you! <laughs>